At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to Knife Talk, the number one podcast for anybody interested in knives, whether you're a maker, a collector, or you just have this morbid obsession with knives like many people do. Um, I'm here, as usual, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. Joined as I am every week by Mareko Momassi of Momassi Firework. Fireworks? Yeah, I'm changing it. I'm changing it right now. Momassi Fireworks. I'll there have Katy go. Perry playing in the background <laughs> anytime I come on to the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Jeff Fader of, of Fader Knives. Um, we're here every week. So every Monday there we put a, an audio podcast. And every Friday evening we record it live with you guys too. So it's good to see people already in the chat. Um, guys, how's it been? It's been, it feels as if it's two days since we last spoke, but a whole week has passed again. Uh, Mareko, let's, let's go straight to you. How's yeah, it been? I'm happy to kick it off. Yeah, so my birth, am I messing that up? No, I think my birthday was last weekend. And Yes, uh, it was, yes. I think, I don't know, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already forgetting. I'm, I think I'm, te- also think I'm 37 years old. Uh, my you sister think? was in town. She lives down in New Orleans and her and her partner flew up. Uh, he, so our, I'm here. We grew up here and everything. But he also has family uh, just a few hours north. So he, uh, his parents live up in Bellingham, where uh, the great Bob Kramer hails from. Uh, and so they're up there visiting them right now. But it's great to have her in town. I only get to see her like once a year. We have a super tight relationship where I know a lot of people sometimes struggle with having good relationships with their siblings. But s- somehow, maybe it's through all the bullshit that we grew up with which you can hear more about on uh kind of a little bit more about on jeff's my interview with jeff on the full blast podcast but um we're really tight we're like each other's best friends and so it's really 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 good to see her and spend time with her my son absolutely loved hanging out with his auntie t um and we did some uh you know he just got on the bike and we went 
cruising and we just and we cooked meals we did pizzas in the backyard it was really great so they were here until tuesday i was out of the shop for four days in a row it was amazing i that's the most time i've had out of the shop in a really long time um <laughs> uh and then what else is going on i've just been forging more forging uh i finished fabricating up those squaring dies they're work at least right now they're holding together although i i could hear a little bit of squealing and and cracking a little bit <laughs> so i don't think they're gonna last forever they're gonna get <laughs> me through this project but i think i i really need to figure out um how i can use that that three inch plate that i have or plate whatever flat bar three inch flat bar um and get some uh squaring dies like i don't know plasma cut or hydro like water jet out of those um how thick are they how thick are the three inches thick you said yeah they're three inches thick so problem with Uh. that is i don't necessarily want to ship it because that's going to cost a shit ton because right now they're in giant like cross sections or uh, Mm. pieces that probably the smaller one probably weighs about 80 pounds um and so i gotta find somebody local to do that and help help me break that down but once i do i already i'm super thankful that i had those squaring dies because the the patterns i'm working on right now are kind of very mathematically driven and so i have to get all the pieces to fit together like a nice little puzzle and if they're kind of what what has a tendency to happen is instead of being perfectly in square let's see i can do madonna strike a pose um they kind of like cant off just slightly and become a parallelogram so they're flattened on top and bottom but the sides kind of like are at an angle this is oh, a very well, yeah. very gentle slight angle and it doesn't fit together very nicely that way so uh the squaring dies definitely make a huge huge difference um other than that i just been trying to stay cool um a couple of things i did notice from last week that happened in the last week is uh our sponsors texas farrier supply lost a friend james cox who was like family uh to the family the, the the company and he was a big help worked with the company and um and so i just wanted to give a shout out and let them know that our hearts are with them um and then also mm-hmm. sam cobb of hilltop forge is running a raffle that he's doing the drawing on the 1st of September. And so you still got a few more days to to enter into oh wait. What day is today? Is it going to be is the episode going to air after, too late? <laughs> no, I think it's to coming up Monday. Monday. The raffles on raffles on Wednesday. Yeah, my days are all messed up. All right. So the raffle is on Wednesday, September 1st. Right, Monday. Okay, yeah. so they're twenty bucks a spot. Um, it's a ten-inch Sanmai buoy with a carbon fiber handle and stainless fittings. Uh, all the money is going to benefit um, this sweet little girl. She's probably like maybe one or two who's going through some health problems right now. So anybody that can jump over and give some support, um, that would be super helpful. Again, it's uh, Sam Cobb. He's at Hilltop Forge on Instagram. He makes great hammers. Actually, the hammers I use are are made by him. Uh, so go check that out and help if you can. That's nice. what I got. What do you nice. got, Craig? So, so you had a, you had a good birthday. That's 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 yeah, amazing. super low, super low key. Um, again, I cooked for myself, but I'm totally fine with that because I enjoy cooking, and I want mm. the food that I'm eating on my birthday to taste delicious. And so we did. We did kind <laughs> yeah, of a, a lunch. Two years in a row, you did that. You threw everybody <laughs> under the table. Been... Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. I've been doing it for the last several years, honestly. Um, and But, yeah. I don't know. That's all I want to do. On my birthday, I just want to eat good food and spend the time with people hmm. I care about. 
And um, yeah. And so I'm a little picky, Perfect. so I just do all the cooking myself. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Perfect. Well, on, on your story of sisters enjoying your sister's company, I've actually got my sister staying with us at the moment. Right. Um, they've been here for a week. They bought a house over here a while back, which they hadn't actually seen, so they're over here now so they can see it and so on. Um, and it's really nice to have, yeah, you know, people around and, you know, that kind of thing. So that, that's really nice. Um, my week, it's been a little bit crazy. I, so I, I'm amazed that it's been a whole week since we last spoke because time has just flown by, flown by. So my sister arrived Tuesday, I believe. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Um, not long after that, I had a call from the local bar. Um, who they wanted you to um, settle your tab? To watch you like it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Junior, uh, <laughs> call, calling your accountant. <laughs> Every sort of July and August around here, there's there's events on all the time. And there's, we've got a village square here, and the bar was put on entertainment. Um, but theirs had cancelled, so um, they needed entertainment. And they were like, we've heard you've started a band. And we're like, uh, yeah. They were like, well, could you play? And we're like, oh, geez. So we, we had literally two, three days to sort of get ready for this, like a mini gig. We only played six or seven songs, but... Um, we were really nervous, you know, they had, so they, they were meant to have a couple of acts on, they had like this African bongo player first, and like, and we were going on after, and we said, oh, right, okay, um, but he played for like way too long, so we're just standing around now, we're just like, come on, come on, this bloody bongo player, once you've heard bongos for five minutes, that's generally enough bongos for the year, you know, you, do, it's, it's, you don't need that many bongos in your life, anyway, but he went on for about an hour and a half, um, so we were left, we went on at 10 p.m., um, in the dark, basically, um, not even on the stage because he had so much stuff on the stage with his, all these different types of bongos and percussion. How many bongos you need? So we set up exactly, exactly. So we set up next to the stage, um, and the idea was we were going to pile our stuff onto the stage when it's time. But it was so late, we just said, well, "Fuck it, we'll play here." So yeah, we played, I think six, possibly seven songs, um, which is all we know at the moment, anyway. Um, and it went really well. It went really well. And it was nice that, you know, my wife was there with the kids and all the rest of it. And um, the whole village was there. Everybody's up dancing. So, yeah, it was received really well. So that was our sort of pre-show, if you like, because on the 17th of September, we're doing sort of the, a bigger show, like, a, you know, the full evening, you know, hour and a half set. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it was exciting. And it's um, – so I mentioned last week I'm a little bit of a sort of a um, – the power goes to my head, let's say, I suppose. So I, I suppose I'm the sort of the musical director of the band. They need to do as I say, basically. And um, so we had a couple of rehearsals this week. Um, we've actually only had two hours of the whole band being together in the same room. Because generally, the drummer can't yeah. make it or the bass player can't make it. So actually together as a band, we've only had two hours, all of us together. Um so, yeah, I'm, I'm saying, you know, make sure you listen to these songs. You know, we, we had rough recordings of them. Make sure you listen so you get the structure right because they'd always forget in them and we hadn't spent enough time rehearsing, basically. Um, come to the show, and it was me who fucked up more than once. <laughs> yeah, forget the second verse and just go straight to the outro. And, uh, yeah, so your balls broken? I had to send email after the show. After the show, I had to send emails to them saying, I really apologize. They're like, oh, no, it's fine. Nobody noticed. And it was like, oh, geez. But it com- completely nerves got to me. And I think it's because I had sort of family there in the uh, in the audience as well. And, you know, your hands get sweaty and I'm dropping plectrums. It was, it was just, oh, yeah. But it was good fun. It was good fun. That That's the main thing. Um, 
what, what, what was the week? song? So today, wait, wait a second. What was the song? What? What? Oh, that that I fucked up. Um, it was a song, but you you, you Americans won't know it. Um, it's by a band called the Stereophonics, who are a Welsh band, and okay. it's called Local Boy in the Photograph. Um, okay. Quite a, quite a simple song, but I just got a bit carried away and went straight to the outro after the first chorus. What was the set list? <laughs> yeah. Um. It was quite basic stuff, the, the usual sort of cover band stuff that's easy to learn quickly. So it was 20th Century Boy by Good T-Rex. Um, that's a deep cut, by Teenage the way. Kicks. That's a deep cut for, uh, for the, for the cover yeah. band genre. That's a deep cut. Yeah, it's, everybody does it. It's, it's you know, it's mm-hmm. three chords, basically. It's, it's, you know, it's that simple. Um, Teenage Kicks by The Undertones. Um, what else do we do? Uh, local Boy in the Photograph by the Stereophonics. We did Heroes by David wow. Bowie. Um, we did Come On, Feel the Noise by Slade. Most of these are British bands, so you may not know them. And we finished with Creep by Radiohead, which is like every cover band needs to finish with <laughs> Creep. That's the rule. That's the rule. Um, and it went really well. We had people up dancing and, you know, people asked for more as soon as we finished. And um, so we didn't have any more songs. So we just literally played a song again, one of the songs we'd already played. <laughs> Most people didn't realize it. it was fine. It was my wife didn't even realize, and I was like, Yeah, we played the same song twice. Very cool. Um, That's but yeah, it went really well. So, um, let me just have a quick look in the chat here. We've got lots of people here already. So, um, Aaron McVeigh, Francesco Mucci, uh, Rainy Day Forge, Grateful Knives, Griffiths Handmade Knives, Fiery Eyes Forge. We've got plenty of people here. Ben Stark, um, Ben Stark's in the house, Rocco Handmade. Ben Stark and maybe his mother with him. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, there's plenty here. So hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Um, what else happened? So today, um, my wife and I had to go to the city um, for uh, some medical reasons. And I've, I sort of alluded to this in the past, how uh, the last few, mo- few months my wife hasn't been too good. Um, but it's all really good news. So there's going to be another little Lockwood joining the crew. Wow. Um, That's exciting. Yes. So obviously, we've, we've known for a while, obviously. Um, but today was the uh, big sort of 12-week scan. Um, what was really important to me, that there's only one heartbeat. Um, thankfully, there's only one heartbeat. <laughs> no more twins. <laughs> no more twins. <laughs> no more twins. They're hard work. Um, so, yeah, so that was today, which is uh, which went which went perfectly. So we're, we're, we're very happy. Um, but, yeah, it's just been a crazy, crazy week of craziness. And um, I'm really pleased that... July and August here are are mental, like crazy busy. And now we're coming to the end of it, and now things can get back to normal. I can get back to work, and I can, you know, it's just been, we've had people out, and um, yeah, it's just so much going on. So I'm just really pleased that now things can settle back. The actual, our twins start school this week as well, which is both scary and uh, quite exciting. So yeah, it's, it's a crazy time. So, um, yeah, the future is going to be very different for me. There's going to be, there's going to be, yeah, a lot of us, should we say? Um, but yeah, it's all good. It's That's all good. huge news. Nice. It is. Thank you very much, Jeff. Your well, I mean, it's not as exciting as I'm, you know, that excited as yours is outstanding news for you. Amazing. Thank you very much. You know? I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm I. Couldn't, we couldn't be happier for you. Let's just say that. We couldn't be happy for you. I'm grateful that I'm not having another child, but I'm great. I'm happy for you and your family. It's going to be awesome. You're going to have to buy, get a new, you're going to have to get, you, the new house is going to have to be bigger, right? 
Um, we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, no, no, it's not. We can re. We yeah, we've already been discussing how we're going to have to reconfigure um, the house. To, you know, do, do your daughters know to fit us in? But do they understand? Not yet. Not they, yeah. They won't quite understand. So they know that you know, mummy's belly is um is bad at oh, the moment. But- because she's always been, she's always been sick as well. Let's face it. So they they know something's up, but obviously they, they don't understand the whole baby thing, you know. So um, we're going to wait a little bit longer till she's, you know, obviously showing, and we can explain. Then you know that's where, that's where that's where a baby is. So yeah, it's all it's all very exciting, very exciting. It's it's good news. Great news, great news. Uh, you're getting a lot of nice nice messages in the chat. Lando Novak, sweet news. Grateful Knives, congratulations. Ben Stark, congratulations. Tomer Botner's in the house. He says congratulations. Ah, well, Tom, Tomer's got a new, a new one himself. A fresh Tomer's baby. Got a new, yeah, Tomer's got a new one too. Yes. All these, all these pandemic babies. We're going to see, you know, there's going to be some sort of name for them. I know that yeah. <laughs> they were calling my kid was part of the, uh, what is it? Was it the quarantine that was the that was the ah, name right, for, right, which yeah. was lame but fine. Yeah. You guys are going to be like the so we better figure out the name here and then we can start it and be a viral word and we can have it here it's, first. We could trademark it. Yeah. If yeah. you in the chat want to, if you guys in the chat want to come up with a new name for what it's like to have a, a fresh baby on the pandemic and it's good, maybe we'll put that <laughs> in the t-shirt next to who the fuck needs a. so so yeah it's amazing you know it's funny that you guys are talking about your sisters because i spent all day yesterday with my sisters i don't really Mm. see them very often they're older than me they're my half sisters but i was kind of raised with them because we were just they were they were 16 and 20 when i was born so they were like they were into me being a baby and they weren't really like they could like they weren't around that often so it was just like it was fun for them so i was always very close to them and one of my sisters was having a back surgery so my other sister and I went to the hospital and stayed all day in the hospital, and uh, it was great. It was a good experience. Um, you know, we we spent a lot of time kind of reminiscing and you know catching up. And at the end of the night, we were there all day and into the night. And then they, she came out of surgery fine, and we had a real good. We had a real good. Uh, it was a good experience. But it's interesting. All three of us had weird sister things this mm. this uh, this whole week. So um, yeah. So but yesterday was kind of nice. I don't really get a lot. I don't really take days off to spend with the family, but. You know, waiting in their waiting room and kind of catching up with my other sister was really kind of neat. And we were talking about she actually my sister that I was you know in the waiting room with is a, an artist, and my sister is having surgery as an artist. So the three of us have been talking about doing a show together for a long time because we're like all very much along the lines of not interested in being in group shows, and you know yeah. really would be kind of interesting. So we've been talking about doing a show together because one of my sisters is a, I mean a world class curator. And we, I've been, I've been kind of pushing to do an art show for the three of us for quite a while. So we're working on it. And actually, the name is actually kind of funny. One of the things my dad used to say to us all the time is, "You don't know what you're talking about." He used to say that to us all the time. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You could say the sky was blue, and he would say, "Ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about." So yeah. we're tentatively the name of the show is, "You don't know what you're talking That's about." That's a good name for an art show. Yeah. I and then, that. then when we do the second one, he also he, the, the mod, we were talking about. You know, my sister was talking about the, you know. Uh, the power of yes, you know, that's Oprah's thing is like yes, yeah. believing in yourself and the power of yes and repeating you're going to be successful and kind of like manifesting and stuff like that. And I was saying, well, what is, what would be our, what would be our, the fader, 
you know, t word or expression that would kind of define us. And she says, oh, I know exactly what it is. It would be, oh, it's enough already. So that's the name <laughs> of the second show. It's enough already is the next, same of the next, the next show. So, Perfect. So that was that. But in the shop, I was getting uh, a pile of stuff done, and I alluded to it last week. Oh, by the way, my, my results for my, my colonoscopy, everything's fine. I've been doing this goddamn <laughs> – I've been getting up too many – People mad at me for, you know, as in, as if my, my health is, you know, I owe you my, uh, I owe you some results. You waited like I waited. So everything's fine. I'm, so far, so good. That's that. Now, we'll do another cliffhanger later. So I, I alluded to the fact that I'm, I'm going to be doing another, I might be doing another video with uh, Condé Nast. And I had a meeting with them Wednesday and I, I um, shot a message to, to my business partner, Tony. And I said, you, we come on this uh, Zoom call and, you know, just, I like you to there. And he's always, you know, he's you got a real good, he's got a real good, he's got a, he's, he's, he's very good. He understands these meetings. He understands talking to people. He, he kind of like is very, he absorbs it all. And it's really kind of helpful because it's a different set of eyes. So I get on the Zoom call and it's just me and Tony. And then all of a sudden all these windows open up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, wow. All of a sudden, I'm just like, I'm sitting like this. I did like this with the shop in the back, just like this. And and they're like, hey, Jeff, how are you? It's good to see you. You know, blah, blah, blah. We're did you watch the videos that we sent you, the previews of the shows that we're doing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we would like you to audition for this show. I said, I was like, audition? <laughs> well, I mean, they were like basically saying, like, we're here to watch you kind of like talk about what you do and, and the thing. And then this is all of a sudden, I'm just like, I wasn't prepared for an audition. I didn't say this, but in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, well, you know. They you want know, to see how you are on camera, how you, how you well, speak. Well, they know how I'm on camera because I already did a video, but they were ah, just like true. seeing if it was going to work for the show, you know, and I had to like not only have ideas for the show, but I had to like, you know, shuck and jive and, you know, yeah. bounce around. But it was an audition, which I wasn't prepared for. But at the same time, it was like, you know, if I've been doing this goddamn, all these goddamn podcasts for so long, if I can't figure out how to, think on my feet it's at this point it's just like wrap it up yeah so it's great and um it was uh it was nervous making and you know the funny thing is talking about what we've been talking about in the past about we talked i guess last episode or the episode before about how these tv people have an idea of what they want but they don't understand what goes into it so there was a lot of like do you think you'd want to make a knife on video and all of a sudden we're just like well we have to figure out the timing of, you know, that how much time you have to film and it has to be up here. And it, there was a lot of like things that they didn't think about, you know, like yeah. they don't know how, you know, like how long will it take you to make a knife? Well, what kind of knife? You know, it's just like, we're going to forge it or we're going to stock removal it or, and then I'm like, what's that? And I have to explain the differences <laughs> and is it going to be a hidden tang knife? Is it going to be an integral knife? And then all of a sudden I'm just like, you know, I'm going through all these different scenarios because it's like, not only am I in charge of like figuring out what we're going to do, but I have to be able to figure out the pacing of everything because they're not sending a crew up here for a week. Yeah. You know, Actually, it could I, be I would, a three day shoot for a 20 minute video. Yeah. I, I'm two day, a th three day shoot would be generous. Yeah. Three day shoot would be generous. Like these are people who like, they're used to doing like a seven hour shoot, you know? Jesus. So like getting them to come up here and that, you know, so there's all these like weird moving parts and I'm, and I, and I already thought about that before the meeting and I was trying to figure out, can I stage it or can I have multiples at different stages? Because I don't, you know, they're not going to be sitting around waiting mm. for me to like, oh, no. you know, for sure. They can't, I mean, heat treatment's got to be out the door and they're going <laughs> to want to see the normalizing because you got to want that black yeah. line. And You would have to have multiple stages, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Well, so I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it and then all of a sudden it's just like, you know, so 
we were kind of going through it all, and then and then I, in my mind, I'm also thinking about going all the way the whole, whole way through and do. So here's the interesting thing. So basically, we got another meeting coming up at some point. They were psyched, and I sent pictures of the shop. And I wasn't, they wanted me to walk around with the computer to show what my shop looked like. And I wasn't prepared for that either. Um, ben, you Stark clean? Is hitting, ben Stark is hitting on me. I shaved and that, I lost that's a actually pile from of weight. I look fucking great. Was that from his, Ben's mom? I wasn't Ben's mom. Come on, man. Don't go after Ben's mom right out of the shoot. Come on, Ben. <laughs> We're, I'm with you, man. I'm with you 100%. So it was good. I mean, I, this is the first time I felt like, I mean, I'm way thinner than I was for that first video. And mm. I feel good. And it's just like now it's starting. Now, especially when I got that call, it's been like I've been, I wouldn't say I have an eating disorder. But I, let's just say that <laughs> let's just say that I've been eating so much fucking raw spinach. I'm like a rabbit. I'm like going to be, you know, it's unbelievable. Um, but it was interesting because I started to think about and, and getting into the you know knife talk. I was started to think about how you know, what's my responsibility, not only to the audience, because they don't give a fuck. I mean, this is another TV show that's like, they just want the, as soon as I told them about the forging, they're like, oh yeah, we want to see the sparks and shit. And all of a sudden I'm just like, okay, well that's going to add on time to the whole filming and all that. Yeah. And I started to think about what's my, what's my responsibility to not only to the listeners based on how I was blasting the food network a couple weeks ago. And then What's my responsibility to our industry? Because anything that's good for this industry is good for everybody. Whether you whether you yeah. like Forge and Fire or not, yeah. it's good for the industry. It gets people thinking about it. And these yeah. good videos, Alex Steele, whatever you want to say, it gets people into it. So then I'm thinking, well, maybe I need to do things differently as opposed to like when we sharpen knives, we talk about the different ways we sharpen knives. I don't use stones at the end because it's like <gasps> I can whip them out much faster and I whip them out much faster with the belts. I've said it a million times. Dude, there's a Bon Appetit magazine, Bon Appetit video with, with Brad Leone and, and, and Bob Kramer, and he's sharpening with belts. If he can do it, if he's doing it, then let's like, let's, it's enough already. So I'm, so I'm thinking about like, what's the right way to go? And, and it became an interesting, interesting uh, foray into the feeling of imposter syndrome. And I was actually listening to, I'm getting ready to interview Jimmy Duresta for Full Blast. And he has a new episode out of Making It, and they're talking about imposter syndrome. And it made me start to really kind of think about where imposter syndrome comes from. And I was wondering how you guys feel about that. We could talk about imposter syndrome or like what, what the responsibilities are, where I should be going with this or, or stuff like that. But imposter syndrome came up with their show. And it was very interesting because I think with knife makers, especially with what we do and what, where we, t where, who we talk to and stuff like that, there is that idea of what, where does imposter syndrome come from and why do we feel this way? You know? Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'll tell you what, let's have a 10 second think about that whilst we uh, hear from one of our sponsors. Nice. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. Brian House is also Brian in the house. Brian House is in the house. And that's, he, he only listens to this so we can hear his own voice. We know what Brian says. He just wants to hear his own voice. <laughs> At some point, he's, the boy's going to have to start sending me money. for. He says, I'm with you so much. The boy's going to have to start to send me royalties. Because this is bullshit. This bullshit is, is, is just, I'm just about right about here with everyone thinking, why do you copy what Jeff says? Or why do you copy what Brian says? Francesco <laughs> says, I miss Arnie. Maybe. <laughs> That's a bit of a diss oh. to Brian there. 
Um, Damn, girl. Imposter syndrome. Okay. Um, I, I definitely, definitely feel it. Um, I think particularly... But where do you think it comes where from? Where it comes from? I think it's that whole thing of almost like social media, seeing what other people are doing. Um, and it is that, that whole thing. You see other people's best work and you judge your work against other people's best work, which is, you know, it's quite common for, you know, for not just our industry, any other industry. Um, and it's just, everything is just so visible now. We see other, I, I see you, Jeff. You you put a lot on Instagram of, you know, you, you're hustling hard, hard every day, every day. Um, and I'm not. And I think particularly doing this show, um, you know, we, you know, before we come on the show, we have, what have I been up to this week, you know, to talk about, you know, that. and I think particularly for me, maybe the last, I'd say six months or more, my foot has completely come off the gas. You know, at the moment, there are weeks where I'm lucky if I get one day in the shop. So then to come on a show like this, where I know there are, you know, certainly far more talented people than me listening, um, and speaking with you two guys as well, who are you know, obviously, you know, another league, um, you know, imposter syndrome. I, I certainly do get it, um, but you know, I get it with everything I do. It's not just with with knife making. I get it with you know with with music. You know, you hear other people. You know, I criticize myself very badly with everything. You know, um, and I think that's maybe a good thing to have. It shows that you give a shit. You know, um, maybe that maybe that's a good thing. But where it comes from, I'd say personally, I just think that everybody else is so visible. Yeah, you, you we're sort of bombarded with with everybody else's stuff, um, so it's easy to judge your own or judge your output uh, by everybody else's. But I'm sure imposter syndrome existed way before social media, and you know that would have been other people in the village who were doing something similar, and you're like, oh, I'm not as good as that, or maybe I shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. You know, so uh, yeah, but I mean, for me, I'd say it's probably social media and seeing other people's sort of output. D- I mean, but, you know, like Morocco, you know, top of the tree for what you do. Do you suffer from from imposter syndrome? And and you know, do, do you do you feel sometimes as if, oh Jesus, you know, th- this isn't up to it? Yeah, I mean, I think. I, I've i always been a harsh critic of myself and my own work, but I think hmm. um, for me personally, I, and my experience, I guess, uh, my sense of imposter syndrome comes from m- maybe some lack of self-confidence in myself. I mean, I know I'm good at what I'm doing. I know that some of the stuff I'm putting out, like uh, other people can't put out or don't know how to put out or whatever, but I don't like walking around pounding my chest and trying to put it in everybody's face. That's that's just never been my mm. thing. And I think I think the sense of imposter syndrome kind of comes from uh, like an an uh, definitely an in check ego. Cuz I think if if your ego is not in check, you're going to walk around with your dick hanging out thinking you're the hottest shit in town when in reality mm. like there are a lot of great, talented, there are a lot of incredibly talented people out there. And you're fooled to think that you're the very best. Because there's just, what is the best, quote unquote, changes. And it varies based on people's tastes. You know, there are people who absolutely love other wh- whoever's work and don't like my stuff. Like, there, are, I guarantee there are millions of people, thousands of people at least, who don't like my work. Which is fine with me. But I think my sense of imposter syndrome feel, comes from, yeah, probably like a lack of self-confidence and, and 
in a, in a, 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 an ego that's either properly in check or over in check. Like when I went, like when Joe Rogan asked me to be on his podcast and I was on, like, I was like, who the fuck am I? Like, I'm, I'm nobody. Like, I feel like I'm just a stupid monkey mashing on metal doing my thing. And honestly, I would be happy to do it in anonymity, but having kind of like this visibility coming from all over the place and, and, and stuff, it's, it, it, I don't know. It, it's hard to explain, but it's just it, it, often it doesn't feel very good. I don't like, and I don't know if that's yeah. it's just who I am, or there's weird pressures or or stressors I put on myself as a result of it. Um, yeah, it's it's hard that's, to. You just made another point actually, which I hadn't <clears throat> thought of. So what I was saying with with social media for me it was like seeing other people's work. Yeah. Um, but you just said like visibility as well, putting your work out there. You know, and then you, let's face it, if we're putting work out there, we're putting it out there to be judged, particularly yeah. on social media, where when we say judge, we literally mean it as a like button, as a comment button, you know, it's literally there to be judged. Um, so, yeah, that's got that. Yeah, that's that's obviously another player as well, isn't it? For I, I suppose for everybody, you know, unless, you know, you're like you said, you've got the type of ego where you, you just do not give a fuck. You just put it out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Jeff, what what are your what are your thoughts on this? When I tend to hear about imposter syndrome, which is not a true, it's it's not like a diagnosed thing. It's a it's just like this, you know, one of these new you know word in the past five or six years in regards to how people feel that they don't deserve to be where they are, and I believe that a lot of it comes mm. from our heightened awareness of unreasonable criticism online. And I think that there are times where you read things that people say. I feel like there is such a disconnect with um, people and how they interact with other people online that they are that because you're interacting with a screen or they're interacting with a phone, you lose a degree of the the true humanity of what we're who we're, we're dealing with person face to face. And I think that you end up there's this kind of what's called the uncontrolled id, which is like, you're not really, you're just out of control and you're saying whatever, whatever comes to your mouth, you just say like, there are knife makers out there who just go out of their way to say whatever the fuck they want. And it's generally unnecessary, honestly. So a lot of criticism can be helpful. Some criticism can't be helpful. Some criticism might be helpful, but a lot of times there's such a huge dark cloud of I don't like to use the word hater be honest with you I think it's 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 it allows it gives something to it gives it just forgives a person who's trying to connect with other people I feel like people who are just they have a little bit of uh, they're disassociated with humanity to a certain degree and they say what they say so we're aware of this uh, heightened state of negativity and then if there are like on youtube videos like all you youtubers out there listening to you fucking god bless you because you you, you i've seen some of the things that people say and it's just unre- it's unre- it's unnecessary unnecessary is the right word and you 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 become aware of well what's i mean even alec alec Steele, when i was talking to him on full blast he's just like i'm aware i read what they say and it hurts my feelings that's what he said. It hurts my feelings. Mm-hmm. So you're completely aware of, of the potential. Not to mention, I was just talking to Steve Schwarzer on the Full Blast podcast, and he was talking about how when he first started making that. You know what? We need, we need some sort of like a bell. Every time you mention Full Blast, 
Listen, you should think about. Remember, remember the Nick Wheeler alarm we used to have. Whenever we said Nick Wheeler, we'd have an alarm playing. I think we need that. I see full blast (laughs) is the little brother show to this, where I can get in knife makers (laughs) and other people, and we talk about who they are instead of what they have. Okay. I'm winding you up, Jeffrey. Hey, Steve. And and in fact, I'm going to mention knife talk. If you look at his stories, he thought it was knife talk. So be fucking happy. He wrote knife. That was a knife talk. I called him twice. I'm like, Steve, it was a full blast. Come on, man. (laughs) But just to sort of whilst we're on the subject, that that was an amazing interview you did with with Steve today. And um, so yeah, full blast uh, was released today, where Jeff interviewed Steve Schwartzer, um, which we did on on knife talk. Um, but Jeff went into into more sort of detail, I suppose. And what an amazing life that guy is. It's crazy. It's totally crazy. And the, I'm I'm grateful the most. Grateful to two things. One is I spent a lot of time helping him get good audio. He bought a mic for this one because, like, he gets on these and he can't hear anything and it sounds like shit. And I needed the full I needed the full Texas Florida accent and stuff like that. And then thanks to you once again <laughs> for your insane edits. I can't say enough. I know sometimes people's connections crap out, and I and I I hate asking Craig to splice these connections. I know where the connections are, and I still can't find them. You're a goddamn genius. So once again, thank you for that. <laughs> so, but the interesting thing about what Steve was saying is he was doing uh, making fillet knives out of you cutting out a you know out of a you know a saw or something like that, and then he just thought he was hot mm-hmm. shit, and then he got to meet this knife maker, and he was just like, I'm going to show this guy how it is, and this guy was just like pulled out this folder, and you know. You know, Steve rolled his knives back up and threw them back in the truck because he was like, it was just like that was <laughs> an imposter syndrome. That was like old school imposter syndrome before yeah. like social media. There, there, it, it yeah. is very. I find it to be very interesting, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I mostly uh, welders I'm, get it too. Just looking through the chat. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. The welding world on Instagram is uh, full of comment. Um, just looking through the comments here in the chat, we've got so. Um, Ben Stark, um, I think a reasonable level of imposter syndrome is healthy since it makes you strive to improve yourself. Um, you just have to still be confident in what you do and don't let it take over. Uh, very true. Um, Moonshadow Forge has said, fake it till you make it. Um, but then humility is key for me. I like fake it till you make it. Um, I don't believe no, I, you got to yeah, do whatever it yeah. takes. I mean, that's what Steve said at the end is you have to you'd have to be not afraid to take chances. You know, unfortunately, when we say fake it till you make it, it always sounds like you're trying to pull one over on someone. It, yeah, those connotations are there. Um, who is, that? is that walrus steel? Um, if you aren't feeling imposter syndrome, you aren't growing. Um, and I remember hearing that a few years ago. Um, somebody said that if you're not embarrassed by the work that you've done sort of three years ago, you should be embarrassed. Um, in other words, you know, you're not improving. Um, and and we, I had that exactly this week. So I said we played our first gig. Um, I recorded it. And then I got home and listened back to it, and I was like, "Fuck you, that was terrible." Um, but it's something to build on, you know. And it and it's like everything else that any anything that I think any sort of creative endeavor, um, if your heart is really is into it, you want it to be better, no matter how good it is, you know. Um, so it's that internal struggle. It's not just imposter syndrome with other people. There's always that internal struggle of a maker as well. And I believe that you know, if you really are into it, you always want things to be better. And to bring better. it back to this podcast, a few years ago. I was looking at some charts and I thought we are consistently kicking all the other knife making podcasts ass. 
And I said, we're the, one day on the podcast, I said, we're the number one knife-related podcast on this planet. And I don't know if that's true, but I'm going with it. I am totally going with it. <laughs> that's what, it. I mean, Howard Stern <laughs> coined himself king of all media. And then now everyone calls him king of all media. So it was very like, yeah. you know, I just felt like, you know, I don't know. There could be some dude in Russia who's got the number one knife-related podcast on this German blessed planet. But now I'm going to say we are. Yeah. And I'm still going to say we are. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Okay, let's hear from um, another, another sponsor of ours. Knife Talk is sponsored by one. Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven... No, we did combat. Oh, oh sorry. I thought because Brian's in the house, I thought, well, Brian wants to hear himself. How many times do you want to hear himself? Go ahead. I'm sorry for that. Sorry that. <laughs> he dialed, as soon as he's heard up the ads, he dials out anyway. It's fine. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. And don't. Don't do that. We all want you to have an Even Heat because they are the best the best kilns you can buy for, for knife makers. Um, but we can get you a discount. So if you go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat, that will automatically direct you to the Soul Ceramics website, who are distributors of Even Heats. Um, and we'll get you $75 off and free shipping I was in about the US. To, I was about Can't to beat more. the shit out of Brian because I thought he'd left. And I was about <laughs> to do my favorite thing, which is when you come onto this to live <laughs> and you pipe up, and then I feel like you've left. I'm going to make sure you're still there. We may so, check. So, so yeah. Brian almost got that. Brian, you better be in this room. We're playing that thing again. If you left, it's over, baby. We're going to get you. <laughs> we'll come back in five minutes. Let's just yeah, check, Brian. Brian you're on the hook here. now. Um, ben Stark's mum would like to say hi um, to everyone. And that um, she's working on coming up with ethical dilemmas yeah, for girl. us guys. Let's hear, let's hear. Nice. Ben's mom's got an nice. ethical dilemma for us. I'm all for that. <clears throat> <laughs> okay hey man can i ask well that's brian listen again him. listen to him Fucking listen hell. to him. jesus hey man can i ask you a question 
Can I ask you a question? The bit of the show where we ask you guys to send in questions, we'll try our best to answer. But we also have some experts in the chat as well that can also help us. Um, and a bunch of people have done via Instagram this week. Um, and if you've got a question for us... Contact us via DM at Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. It's Jesus. that easy. We've got oh Robo God. Brian in the house with us today. Listen to himself. It's outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably getting very excited. Do you know what I think? Yeah. Do you know what I think? Yeah. We need to see your hands, Brian. What are you doing? I don't see his hand. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to see the collar. I'll bet you he's got these. I'll bet you he's got these drops, and he plays the drops for himself. Oh, I'm certainly. I'm sure he does. Yeah, really. I bet he does. He, by the way, he's on the Workboard podcast. He like he's he's all about inspiration. Inspiration, giving you guys something to listen to while you're. Working it. Oh, not working it. Working it's what he's doing right Work. now. Ow. That was exactly. for me. Exactly. <laughs> Never mind. I was going to. You know it, he said. Was... Brigham Kindle. We've had a question from Brigham, <sighs> Brigham Kindle. Um, where, where are we? Um, what do you consider to be the telltale sign of your style? That's a good question. Um, Jeff, let's start with you. Your, the, the, the obvious um, signs of your style, what would you that know, be? You know, it's interesting because it's changing, but I feel like there are things in some of my work that you can kind of spot and know. Um, right now, I'm really trying mm. to push towards... Uh, the handle of my knives have changed since I first started making the, the knives, and it's just kind of streamlined into what I like the best. And now that I'm doing these... Um, now that I'm doing this kind of like, I'm trying to depart from, there's a lot of people just doing a two, couple inches of file work, throwing some, you know, colorful handle scales on and they're, you know, there's a lot of inspiration, let's just say. That's, it, there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of inspiration. So I got to like hightail it into uh, um, color lab time and I'm going to be trying to do more of these asymmetrical, you know, thoughtful colored handles and stuff like that. So hopefully that'll be my telltale sign, but. I feel like you can you when you see my knives you yeah. know what they look like. I mean I when when those I think so. Those, yeah, I think it's you know dirtbag scammers people see my knives on those websites and then they immediately contact me. They can tell without seeing the name, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um Morocco, what are the t- what do you, what do you think rather are the telltale signs of of a specific style of yours? Yeah, I think I mean when I first started that was that was key like to try to distinguish my work from other people's stuff. Um, so one, like one of the first things actually, honestly, I, I did was to try, uh, was not to try, but was to push the belly of the handle. So traditionally the belly of the handle is like right in the middle of the handle. Um, Hmm. and so I pushed it up towards the bolster area because, um, in my opinion, the hand, I mean, if, if you're familiar with chef's knives and have solid knife skills, you're up on the blade pinching the blade and that and that would allow by pushing the belly up that would allow the belly of the handle to still kind of be in the palm of your hand when you're holding it in that position but still be comfortable um when you're holding the knife in kind of like a standard kind of hammer grip um and that was one of the first things i did and then and a lot of people started doing that and then so i had to start figuring i guess damascus has always been like my damascus and my patterns and like the really high contrast and <clears throat> and also just kind of like trying to create patterns that people hadn't seen before or that make people stop and think, even though it's maybe something that's somewhat familiar, there's something different about it um, that catches their eye and makes them kind of 
think about it and look at it and also be able like Jeff was saying, like, um, you know, if somebody's going through a feed, you can see it and you recognize, you know, that's an unusual pattern. Let me look at that closer. That knife was made by Morocco Malmasi, not whoever the fuck this is trying to pretend to be him. Um, so it, it's mm. always my goal has always been to try to distinguish my work just so that it has kind of like that cross the room quality where you could see it from across across the kitchen and recognize it immediately. If you know what you're looking at, you could recognize it as a Marco Mamasi knife rather than it looks custom. I don't know who made it though, you know, kind of situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, then it was the S grind after that. Um, and, and then a lot of people start picking that up and doing that. And so I think, I don't know. I think ultimately it's always going to be my, Oh, and then the faceted handles, was also another way I, I worked to try to distinguish my work from others. Um, but I think ultimately it's always going to be the Damascus patterns that really, yeah. Adam Davis just said Japanese cowboy handle. Um, it's always going to be the Damascus that really distinguishes my work and, and uh, amongst, you know, uh, amongst the sea of other knife makers, hopefully, if somebody's just scanning across, that will be something that stands out and looks unusual and draws somebody to it, um, rather than the mm. sea of kind of ubiquity, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a difficult. I mean, again, we talk about this every week. How difficult it is to make something different to everybody else that is still functional, because that that's the main purpose of the knife to be functional. Um, and I mean, my knives are, they're all clearly stock removal. Um, so I like to make them as clean as possible. I mean, I know plenty of people put sort of texture on the, on stock removal knives, that kind of thing. Um, that's not my thing. I want mine to be like laser sharp clean, if you know what I mean. And that goes not through, not just with the actual blade and the knife itself, but right through to the packaging and any sort of messaging that I put out. I want everything to be sort of, you know, consistent. Um, so I'd like to think maybe people will look at the, I don't want to say the cleanliness of the knife, but I think the, almost the, like the simplicity of the knife. It, you know, they're not fussy at all. So I think maybe people could look at, at, at one of my knives and say, maybe that was mine. Um, but I don't think mine stand out massively in style to anybody else. Which we could pick your, I could um, pick your knife out of a, out of a lineup. It's not, it's not, your knives are not, I mean, I know you have a, your, the spine goes a little bit higher towards the blade, you know, before you, before mm. it drops down. There are, there are telltale signs that I could, I could spot your knife in a, in a lineup, you know? Yeah. 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 I think, I, I think, you know, other knife makers, um, maybe so. Um, but I think, you know, the general, the filthy public, as I call them, um, you know, <laughs> those who aren't knife makers, they're just the general, you know, knife buyer, um, which was a joke, by the way. Don't never, um, never, never tell these people you know, it was a joke. Scum. Don't tell these people <laughs> scum. Um, maybe not. But I'd, I'd say, yeah, very sort of clean lines, very sort of unfussy clean. Because, you know, the majority of my, my knives are culinary knives. Um, and the majority is still going to... Um, with regards to chef knives, at least. The majority is still going to sort of private individuals in homes... Where they may spend, you know, 50, 60 grand on a sleek kitchen and then they want a sleek knife to go in the kitchen. Um, so that's my thinking. They need to be sleek um, and unfussy, I suppose. It's why. interesting because in the well, blacksmithing good, world. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting. In the blacksmithing world, it's You're much good. harder to create your own style 
because a lot of the traditional blacksmithing mm. tricks that people are using, and that's what they are, whatever, they're stringing one trick next to another trick next to another trick. And it is hard for a lot of guys to have their own style. I mean, you look at Peter Braspinix, that's Fire Forge. He's got his own style. You look at Pat Quinn and those on the Carbondale guys, they have a specific style. But a lot of guys are, I'm finding when I look at bottle openers people are making, steak turners people are making, twists that they're doing, they're not able to create a style that's theirs and theirs alone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It is difficult. I mean, I said function needs to be the main thing. And that there's no optimal style for function, but there's certain parameters that we all sort of need to sort of work within and find in, you know, the, these little flares and so on within those parameters. I was be, interrupting you, Marek. What were you going to say? I don't know. I lost it. Okay. Well, I was going to say that with the blacksmithing especially, there is this difficulty and the difference between, you know, your knife makers are a little bit different than blacksmiths because with blacksmithing, you can, it's hard for people to kind of break out. It is hard because especially when you're not taking classes, you're not learning and you're not doing as much. The one thing that creates your style, and I'm looking at both of you and the people in this, in this, uh, in the chat, it's always showing your receipts. It's always the evolution of making changes along the way. I said before that my handles changed. And the reason my handles changed is because I started to not like it. And then a one woman came in and she said, I got small hands. I want you to make small hands. And I realized I like that. And I have receipts to all the decisions that I've made along the way, including what Jeff, Jeff, sorry. Why do you like women with short, with this small hands? This customer came in. Is, is I told a... you this goddamn story a long time ago. This customer came in. She was obnoxious. And she said, I want to come in because I have small hands. I'm like, okay, great. Let's see. Okay, I, Why do you not? I'll make your handle small. She goes, I need to feel it. So she came in. I said, put up your hand. I said, your hand is a normal size. Why did you come here? You know, but I, I mean, I ended up making the handle much smaller than I used to. And these are part, what, I, what I'm getting to is, is, you find that when you're creating a style, you're coming from like, as my wife refers to it, as jumping from lily pad to lily pad. And each lily pad is an evolution. And I think that when it comes to finding your own style, it's investigating the things that you like about what you're doing and the things that you want to change to create your own style. Instead of saying, hey, I can do that twist. Hey, I can do that thing. Let me put them both together and I'll just do the same thing. It's finding, it's mm. finding a... A voice. It's finding your voice. I can read a book into this microphone, but that doesn't mean I said it. It's I'm reading it. So that's yeah. the one thing, especially with podcasters, especially with um, knife makers, especially with blacksmiths. There, you can find a style, but it has to do with a lot of work and finding receipts and looking at the receipts. This is where this came from. This is where this came from. You know. So. No. Yeah. No. It makes makes perfect sense. There you go. Craig, uh, I, I remembered what, <laughs> what I was going to say. Uh, so it was, when Craig was talking about um, how his knives have a very clean, simple, modern look, I, I started visualizing like what kind of home that would go, go into because he was kind of started talking about you know more modern homes and very sleek and clean, very simple kitchen or look simple looking anyways i was trying trying to visualize my own knife in one of those kitchens and i feel like it 
It wouldn't look right. Like maybe somebody would like the knife, but I don't think they would want it out on display in the counter. But I could see Craig's knives and the clean, sleek style that he goes for being more suitable kind of in that environment. But obviously there are a lot of eclectic uh, eclectic buyers out there too who have probably have my work, Craig's work, and Jeff's work, you know. Hmm. You know, I was wondering whether, I mean, Jeff made the point of um, blacksmiths, it's easier for them to sort of differentiate in stocks. There's so many no, different techniques that they easier. can use. It's harder. Oh, sorry. Okay, harder, harder. But a lot of blacksmiths maybe go to a school to learn technical stuff. Could Could you guys guess, have you guys seen work and you would then know who maybe who their teacher was because they're doing certain techniques that, yes. you know, that, that person maybe famous for so then their students who have learned those same techniques would then go and yeah. do the same thing is is that a yes. common thing in blacksmiths you i mean it's like a lineage well i mean you and there's a there's a question that's going to come up that we can actually i'm going to read this question and then then we'll answer this i'm going to read this next question by robert uh, bozich it fits right in but when you take bla- any kind of class you know the funny thing is is we, i was talking i don't know who i was talking to and i was talking about oh i was talking to Ilya. we were talking about art teachers and I was saying that my sculpture teacher kind of put me in a bad spot because I was influenced by his style. His style dictated a lot of the stuff that I was doing because I just didn't know any better. So I was learning from a specific sculptor mm. that had more whimsical tastes and more colorful stuff and maybe less attention to detail or attention to you know reality and more kind of whimsical pop arty. And that probably influenced my work in terms of uh, my direction. It was... a quite a departure from what my father was doing who was my ultimate influence in the beginning so you are influenced by your teachers and i know that in regards to i i there are there's criticism towards uri hoffy my friend and teacher and when i expressed that fact i'm like look you can learn different techniques from other people but you're at the you know you take a class from someone and if this particular technique influences you that's just the way it is you know it's like that's part of how teaching works is you're influenced by your teachers. So yes, there are different branches where you learn different techniques from different teachers. And then that technique influences you afterwards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose that's how, yeah, how, you know, things get passed on to generations. That's what makes things controversial. I was, I was, uh, Hmm. Um, when we were in Amsterdam and we went to go see Rembrandt's house, it was fascinating because the old school way of teaching art was you would send your kid to an artist, but they had to be at a certain level. And then once they got to the teacher, Rembrandt forced his students to learn how to paint his paintings and that's it. And it was like, you are going to basically copy my work to the point where I'm going to sell your work as my work. And it was interesting because it wasn't about self-expression. It was about, I want you to mimic what I fucking do. And there are a lot of people who do that. And a lot of people who say, this is the way to do it. And this is how you're going to do it. So it is interesting how teachers do affect, you know, the outcome. And it's up to the, it's Mm. up to the student. And unfortunately, if you're very young and impressionable, it becomes hard, you know? Yeah. Sounds like my history a little bit. Okay, cool. Pardon me? (laughs) I said it sounds like my history a little bit. There's, there's, a, you can't fight, you can't fight what you've learned. You know, it, it, unless you have 
every if you if you have the wherewithal to understand okay i didn't know i thought that uri hoffy was the only goddamn blacksmith in the planet when i learned from him 15 years ago <laughs> i had no idea that there were other sure. teachers teaching other shit like i was just like this is the fucking dude mm. i had no idea that there were other hammer makers besides uri hoffy i was like everything else looked like some you know claw hammer so you know it's just you know what you know until you see something different you you can't you can't fight what you don't know and you just don't know it so there you go Bong. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Morocco, do you want to take the next question? Yeah, we got one here from the Blade Maker. He says, "I got a question. How do I remove someone's laser engraved initials from a knife? Customer turned out to be an asshole, and I'd rather sell it uh, for half the price than get, <laughs> than have him get the knife." P.S. I know sanding is the way to, to go, but I, um, but it'll be a bitch because the initials are engraved pretty deep. What do you guys think? I suppose there's there's two ways. There's one of taking down material, so that you know the, it, so it goes as you say, sanding off, grinding it off. But then obviously, if it's a finished blade, which it probably is, if it's been laser engraved, you, you'd laser engrave at the end. Um, you're then obviously changing the you know the the, the knife and the, the the geometry of the knife, so that that could be an issue, particularly if it's deep. Um, the other way is to get creative. It, I mean, if if you've got the laser yourself and you've done the laser in. Um, you know, we've all seen these terrible tattoo cover-ups, you know. Well, you know, I love... There's a show about it Nicole, on Netflix. and all of a sudden it reads somebody <laughs> else's name, you know, his wife's name instead. We've all seen those kind of things. So, I don't know, maybe you could come up with some sort of geometric pattern that could help to sort of remove those initials from from it. But, um, I think they're the either only two ways. You either grind it off or you try and cover it up with, with other lasers, with other patterns within a within pattern, yeah. I feel like... As, yeah, we've got... Uh, I feel like Brian's just said, actually, in the chat, Brian from Housework, uh, cover up like a tattoo. He's piping exactly, in every yeah. five minutes uh, you... just to make sure that we know that he's there. I appreciate that, Brian. Every five minutes, <laughs> you got to write something. It could be you a bot. Something, Brian. Could be oh, a bot. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, you, he could try to get creative, too, and just come up with an acronym for whatever those initials are. This is the such and such blade. And then yeah. <laughs> these are the initials for that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, if it's drill a hole, drill, drill a hole. hole. Um, Griffith's handmade, um, handmade knives has just said in the in the chat. <laughs> Don't read what Eric Carnavale wrote. That was just unnecessary. But fine. Listen, here's what you. Sh- what here's the most important thing. I when you have to regrind it, you have to be very aware of how far you can go if you're going to rehand sand the knife. Because you can start to get in a lot of trouble if you go right up to the, if you go right up to the, if you have a plunge line, you want to make sure that you're not jumping the plunge line and going into the bolster. I've, you get very, you got to be real careful because you have to really almost feather it because you want to really kind of make that transition easy. Because if you just get some gouge towards the, uh, the plunge line or towards the bolster, it, it becomes, I mean, with, if it was Mareko's knife, it wouldn't be as hard. If you had like a, a bolster that was like a steel bolster, maybe you could kind of like hit it with, it's not as hard, but if you like a wooden bolster, you become, it becomes a little bit more tricky because you just don't want to bump into it. And I would think that the move would be mm. is you just got to be really careful in regards to how far you're going to go with that belt. Because if it's high up on the if it's high up on the edge, which if it's high up towards the tip, you might be able to just get it up and down with the with the with the belt grinder, but with the with the um, contact wheel. But you're still gonna have to feather it in 
the most important thing is is feathering it in like i wouldn't like start it with a 36 grit belt i would do right easy pass with something light and just try to make sure that you don't have any wobble because to get rid of it, it you it becomes harder if you give yourself extra gouges or dips you know yeah and you, you've got to assume you know right. this is a hardened blade obviously because the laser is done at the end um so you're going to want good sandpaper. If you're going to be doing that, you're going to need the best sandpaper that you could possibly find. Um, and that's going to be from RhinoWet. RhinoWet make the best paper for hand sanding. There's no two ways about it. They've got all the grits you could ever possibly need. Um, it's made by Indasa, um, which are actually based in Portugal, but for some reason their Instagram is Indasa USA. Um, but it's the best stuff. It's the best stuff. And we can get you a discount, you lovely listeners. If you go to texasfarriersupply.com um, and put in Knife Talk 10, you can get 10% off your order. And remember, they don't only do Indasa stuff and, you know, the Rhino Wet. Um, they also do lots of other stuff for knife makers. So go take a look, texasfiresupply.com, look in the knife making section that they have, and they've got all sorts of stuff, and you can get 10% off all of it by using and Knife Talk New Jersey. 10. They're not too far from, uh, they're not too far they're from John Ariani, Sunset Forge. He's actually, you know, ended up in the driveway and honked the horn a couple times. I don't think they have a drive-thru. Yeah. Really? Took a right. picture from there. And was... uh, the next question comes from... Ro- and I have listener feedback, and I have uh, dilemmas. But I already pre-talked about Robert's. I want to read Robert's question because it's interesting. Robert Bosich yeah, sure. says, I'm an amateur YouTube-educated blacksmith slash bladesmith. I make barbecue tools and grill cleavers and small axes. I've heard you talk about learning from a pro slash taking classes what are some good choices and how do you choose a class to learn the basics to intermediate without having to relearn half of what I've already learned? I'm at a loss on how to choose, but I want to learn the basics to help me be a better blacksmith slash bladesmith. Love you guys. And the podcast is part of my life. The humor, the education, it helps in my head. I've listened forever and every (laughs) single one, every single one is something for me. Thanks guys. You are truly appreciated. All right, that wasn't me, Robert. Don't, don't, that was Craig. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll jump in first with this because um, I think, and we've done it in the past as well, we, we give people shit for sort of, you know, oh, I learned this on YouTube and we, we'll take a crack at it. Um, but I think there's huge value in that. And I think these days people do learn differently of how they, how they learn traditionally. Um, and I think YouTube is a big part of that. But the... I think the trouble is, particularly in doing what we're doing, I say YouTube is an amazing resource for us all, um, but the trouble can be if you're sort of maybe mix and matching stuff. You know, you're learning how to do something from one guy and something from another guy, and this may not sort of work cohesively as one. Um, and, you know, and this is exactly what I did because, you know, well, I'm very remote here and I didn't really have people that I could go to. Um, so when I did finally go and see people, it was just like, oh, wow, you know, it was almost relearning some stuff. Um, but I think, like anything that's out there on the internet, the quality can vary. Um, and if you if you don't have that sort of basic understanding of maybe what's good and what's bad, you you, you know you could be copying bad techniques or you know doing things which maybe aren't the best. Um, so yeah, I think I know I know you guys are immediately going to jump in now and say you know go see it, go to a class, and I completely agree with you. Um, but I think we, in the past, maybe we've bashed it quite hard. People who are, you know, they've learned via YouTube. Um, and I've learned so many skills via YouTube, so many. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I think the 
you know, it's, it's, it's like anything on the internet. We've all got a mad auntie who's on the internet and they'll read something and they believe it and they're spouting up on Facebook about all this stuff. It's just like, well, no, the problem is really the, you, you, the source you've got the information isn't reliable source. And I think determining what is a reliable source is, is important and maybe you don't know that at the beginning of your career. So that's the danger. So maybe then taking a course, finding out the basics and then maybe using YouTube as an extra resource would be the way to go. But um, Mareko, what are you thinking? I mean, I think, yeah, learning uh, the key. I mean, you like the watching the videos and stuff and the YouTube stuff. It's it's a lot of it is broad strokes. It's hard to get into real deep detail and nuance because time is an issue, um, and 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 also camera angles or, or capabilities that cameras might be an issue, and so it is really key to get. It's key to get working with somebody in person if you can um in a helpful and safe way obviously right now things are kind of crazy and awkward for that but there are people teaching and offering classes and lessons all over the place um i think there are still hammer-ins going on if you can get to a hammer-in if you not necessarily go there to learn but to potentially network and and find people there that are teaching and offering courses um i feel like i I'm surprised actually that there isn't kind of more uh, like the American Bladesmith Society doesn't have more of a database um, that 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 has basically a listing of different makers, master smiths and journeyman smiths and whoever who offer courses, who offer lessons in various things. I mean, we know plenty of makers like Jason Knight who offer online courses, but again, those that's that it's great for broad strokes. But when you need that, like, kind of over-your-shoulder coaching, where are you going to find that? And you only know from just kind of – I mean, forums actually might be a great place. So Blades, Blade Forums, um, there's also Bladesmith Forums, who originally was started by Don Fogg. Um, there's – God, those are – like, honestly, those are the only two I can really think of off the top of my head. But those are places – uh, oh, and there's all kinds of groups. Actually, honestly, on Facebook, Facebook is a great place to get answers. Um, especially, uh, what is it? The the what, Knife Makers Whiteboard is where uh, anybody from uh, very experienced. Like I just asked a question on there the other day when I first was starting out my my forging or my squaring dies uh, to the complete novice hasn't even touched a hammer before. You can ask questions, and I think that might also be a great place to figure out and uh, where you like let people know you know i'm in i'm in olympia washington and i'm looking for a, a knife making course who could teach and i actually know a couple guys in the area here who offer cl classes and so somebody's gonna know especially in the community like a lot of people know each other and network and especially if you are very more uh, kind of a lot more specific about your region and where you're at and where you're trying to do your lessons then somebody's going to be able to help help you point help point you in the right direction or point you to somebody who can help point you in the right direction I think what Robert was saying is he's worried that he's going to pick a class that's, you know, that he thinks is intermediate and it's a beginner class. And maybe how does he gauge where he is in the classes that he should be taking? And I know this because I, uh, I know that a lot of guys who try to get into uh, the Center for Metal Arts um, classes for like Nick right. Langer or Salem Straw that's going on right now. And they try to get into these intermediate classes, and what happens is paddle say, or a yeah. hammer-making class. A lot of guys want to get into a hammer-making class. 
And then Pat will say, you got to take these basic courses first. And a lot of these guys are just like, well, I don't fucking need that. You do. But you do. Yeah. So my suggestion is always, I've actually, when I first started at the Center for Mental Arts and I was the assistant to uh, Uri Hoffi, I ended up taking the, the, the same basic class. I think I took it three times. And each time I learned something more. I definitely, from the first time I took it, the second time I took it, and the third time I took it, it was, it, I always learned something. I always learned something. It was efficiency or speed. So if you w w don't want to take a beginner class, like I'm actually going to be teaching, um, I haven't really announced yet because you have to, but in, uh, in October, I'm going to be doing an uh, introductory blacksmith class at the Dragon's Breath Forge. Um, and it's going to be tongs and bottle openers. And one day we're going to haul ass, tongs and bottle openers. And some people might say, well, I don't want to do an introductory class. But it's going to be, you're going to learn so much. The people who've taken the tong making classes that I've, I've taught are just like, maybe it's not a knife, but they're going to learn so much in regards to, you know, the basics that translate yeah. over to other things. I think that you shouldn't, I think that, I think that you should take as many classes as you can. If, if you can, if you find a place, even if you think, well, I don't want to make scrolls or I don't want to do that. But if you want to learn hammer control, you might want to get, take basic classes, especially basic classes from Pat Quinn is going to be a lot different from taking uh, uh, classes from Nick Rossi, beginner classes. So it's like you got to like you have to almost check your ego and say, OK, just because I watch Alex Steele doesn't mean I'm, I'm ready to go on a forge and fire. I think there's nothing there's nothing that's too big. It's not like you're going to be going to kindergarten all of a sudden. Yeah. Like you're ready for 12th grade right. and you got to go back to kindergarten. It's not blacksmithing isn't really like that. Um, but with that said, the NEB is having a, a fall meet in October. Go to the NEB website. Uh, Ziva Gottlieb is going to be there. Maker Camp is going to be in uh, October, late October. And there's going to be a lot of stuff there. There are things that are happening. I know that uh, our friend uh, Nate Zimmerman's eating snacks up at the, the New England School of Metalwork. Uh, all he does is eat snacks at the New England School of Metalwork. He traveled all the way from from Milwaukee, and he's all he does is eat during the classes. It's like, come on, man, no snacks in the shop. But there's there's tons of classes being taught. I know the Center for Mental Arts. I know all these guys. And join a banner. If you join a banner. And join the NEB. They're great resources, and the ABS. Even if you're not around, they have newspapers with or magazines with periodicals and places you can take classes right. that can yeah. talk. So, yeah. um, Marco, Francesco Mucci, yeah. sorry, has asked in the uh, the chat about the Facebook group that you mentioned again. Yeah. So the Facebook group is Knife Makers Whiteboard on Facebook. Um, and then to also kind of address, I guess, his concern, Robert's concern. You know, if you if you do end up taking a course directly from one individual in their shop you know I, th I think before you even get going I, I guarantee I would hope that they would ask you know what's your experience what are you hoping to learn so that they can kind of skip over some of that stuff so you're not wasting time but I also think like what Jeff was saying how he took that introductory course with Uruhafi like three times I think part of it too is part of all of this is being able to kind of humble yourself, check your ego at the door and be willing to learn something. Even if you think you've heard it before, like Jeff said, you're going to hear something else new. You're going to catch something or pick something up that's different. That could, that can help yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. you're going to be more efficient or you're going to learn your strokes better. Or you're going to learn. There's a million different. It's not like going to. That's the problem with fucking YouTube. I mean, I know you didn't want to bash YouTube, but YouTube is like learning how to lift weights. 
online. <laughs> like you don't have a guy there saying you're standing up, yeah. you're standing wrong. You know, you, they don't, you know, they're not telling you how to stand. They're not telling you how to, they're not telling you how to, you're swinging your arm wrong. You Why do you have all of a sudden a tennis elbow? Why do you have tennis elbow? You know, there's all sorts of things that, you know, there's no, as Nick Rossi said to me, there's no, there's no better substitution for, for in-person yeah. learning. Okay, and Joel Shepard says in the chat, blacksmithing classes are way f- easier to learn when you're not struggling slash falling behind. Good call. Don't take off more than you can yeah. chew. Call. Okay, let's do um, let's do some of these dilemmas you've got. But just while, while you're queuing that up for us, um, I want to talk about our Dharma Steel Knife of the Week. Um, and this is from California Custom Knives. On Instagram, it's California yeah. underscore custom underscore knives. Yeah. And some beautiful, beautiful knives, um, which are present. I got to say, the pres- presentation on these knives is, is incredible as well. Um, no dodgy hand picks, um, all lit very well, <laughs> and they really show the beauty of of that of that Dharma steel blade. That's Carlos Andrade. Um, so yeah, go take a look. It is yeah, Don Andrade. Carlos yes, Don, yes. Yeah. So so go take a look. California underscore custom underscore knives um some beautiful beautiful knives but even if you just want tips on how to take some great photos of knives that's the place to go but that that's a dharma steel knife if you want to get yourself some dharma steel um you can log log into the site you can create an account at dharma steel um and if you use knife talk 10 you can get 10 percent off which can be a big big chunk of money so go do that um and there will actually be another dharma steel um chef invitational coming up soon um, which we'll be um, we'll be involved in in some way. We're not quite sure how yet, but we're, we're certainly going to be involved in some way. So, um, yeah, go take a look. Uh, California underscore custom knives. Some beautiful, beautiful knives. How I have a question for that Damascus Invitational. How can I sure. submit? How can I submit a knife without having to do a booth and to listeners vote for me? How do I do it fair? How do I do it? So I don't, I don't want to do another booth. Yeah. I'm not going to do a separate booth. I, I don't, don't fuck around with you guys. And we had P.S. The Damas Steel Invitational Show is one of the fucking great shows of 2021. 2020. Whatever. It was the, one of it our was, highlight yeah, it shows. Was a great it was so show. much yeah. fun. Yeah. I don't want to have a booth and have to talk to these yoke, these Pam and Eggers. I ain't interested. I want to fuck around with you guys, but I might want to put a knife in. <laughs> How do I do it? We got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I don't know, but if I mean if but if you've made a knife with Dharma Steel, which you're very proud of, um, tag them, tag us, um, and I'm sure if we're not going to do it before the show, when we do the show, I'm sure we're going to have lots of knives that we'll be showing as well and telling people all about. Um, but yeah, we can certainly find out more about how you can get involved with the with the Chef Invitational um, because I know they want as many people involved as possible. They're doing a great thing, and it's all free as well what they're doing, so it, it's a great great thing. Okay, Jeff, this is the bit that I've been really looking forward to. I, I really enjoy this part of the show now. It's the new part really? of the show. It's the I'm new so part happy. of the show. Jeffrey, Te- So now I'm on the hook for – this is actually the most work I – you know, I put together this show. By the way, somebody in the, in the listener, when we get to listener uh, feedback, there's some good things in that one too. But tough scenarios become like a real like head scratcher. I got to spend at least one dog walk trying to figure out what I'm going to say. <laughs> but like, sometimes – the listeners come up with good ones. Guys, if you want to submit your DM, your uh, tough scenarios, please do. But refrain from the weird sex stuff. Like, I just, it's so lowbrow. I'm just so not, I do not want to talk to all of you guys in regards to any kind of sex stuff. I just like, 
your pigs. I don't want it. <laughs> That's the end of that. So yeah. there you go. So this one is tough scenarios. And then we're all going to answer honestly and hopefully not phony. But the phony is funny too. So that's fine, fine. So we're going to do a show. Here's a warm-up. This is from Jake Norris, who is an earner. I'm referring to the people who consistently do good ones as earners. Jake Norris is an earner. And here's your tough situation. You take a trip to the beach with the other two members of the Knife Talk podcast. So the three of us are on a beach trip. It's already getting sexual. Jake, what are you doing to me? And the other two decide to go for a swim, and they get caught in the current. You're a good swimmer, and you have to save one. Who do you save? <laughs> Who are you going to save, guys? So we're all in this, we're all in this together. Oh, and, boy. you know, one of us might have had too much to drink, maybe. <laughs> I think. Three of us are there. Two of you get into trouble in a, in yeah. a, in a tough current. Right. Um, you're grown man on a beach. Come on. I mean, you're grown man on a beach. So you're, if, if you're, you're getting sitting... swept out to the tide, swept out in the tide, uh, they always you're they always be... do say if people have been swept out in the tide, the worst thing you can do is go and try and rescue them. You need to phone the the coast guard and get them out. Otherwise, they could this be two your, of us in trouble. This is uh, your bid to win. You win this fucker every week. You win this one every week. I thought you were gonna pick one of us. You're like, fuck you both. I'm gonna do my tie on the beach. <laughs> No, I'd, I'd be very concerned. I'd be very. I'd yeah, be first on yeah. the phone to the coast guard. Yeah. Um, but if there's a there's a tough situation, um, I'm DMing not the strong. Wives, I think there's something wrong with the boys. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the strongest swinger. Sw- swinger. <laughs> Are you sure about that? As much as I God. enjoy swinging, I'm thank not the strongest God. swinger. No, um, <laughs> no, I'm not the strongest swimmer anyway. Um, yeah, I think. You we're both dead, Mareko. We're both dead. I think he's got need... nothing for us, Mareko. He got nothing. I, think I need for to call us. it. I need to call it the professionals. I think. I yeah. th- well, I think the scenario is that Mareko, you are. In, what you in doing? This scenario, you're a strong swimmer, right? Or is it? Well, let's just answer the question. I mean, maybe you got like <laughs> some, mean, some like <laughs> some pool floaties on your arms. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, all of a sudden, it's like I'm not a. I'm not a good swimmer. You're both dead. I mean, come on. I mean, you know. Ah man, I think I'd have to save Craig. I feel like he's I don't blame he's you. the one that would be easier for me to swim back with. Oh, because oh, is it because maybe he's going to be he'd probably be a little bit more uh, if he'd been drinking, he'll be a little bit more like docile. Yeah, he'll be in the water <laughs> so it's like well, less drowning. And it, he's not going to be flailing and grabbing you and like saving he's going to be just like kind of like He's gonna be like a sack of potatoes, and it'll be an easier, an easier save. I don't blame you for that. And honestly, uh, I would think thank so you too. for describing my beach body as a sack of potatoes. <laughs> no, Thanks for. I'm, a, I'm assuming you're like three sheets to the wind. Maybe you're like your your pool floaty kind of started to fizzle in the water, and you all of a sudden you're you're far out there, and your little inflatable inner tube that's losing its yeah. like juice. And no, I, like, I, you know, I think is I mean, Morocco and I we've been on holiday a few times anyway. We're very good buddies. Um, yeah. But you didn't know that, did you? Regardless, oh, oh, Jeff didn't Mareko know. Mareko also noticed. Our, our beach trip. Mareko also noticed he rocks that you're a poor problem. So we've he's got actually here. going for you because you need it. You're drunk and you can't swim. Is he going for you? <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but in this scenario, we both both of the strugglers need the help. I I don't know. I think if Jeff, I'm going to answer for you, Jeff. If Jeff had to pick one of Why? us. I would hope that he would pick Craig too because by the time he because by the time you get out there I'm probably well, already under the, <laughs> and I'm gone. The answer So you get you got to get Craig. 
And I weigh 250 pounds. You want to be dragging my ass back out of the water. Peace and love, peace and love. I am going to go for Craig, but not for the reason you said. You can't edit. You can't edit and put up my podcast. That's the reason why. I I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm just like, I'm like, it's Thursday afternoon. My value lies. And he hasn't edited my podcast yet. I better go save his ass. You know. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm definitely. I appreciate the I'm honesty. Now that yeah. I think about it, maybe Craig. You know, now that I think about it, I think Craig needs the save more than Mareko, because I mean, Mareko's might be a better swimmer. I'm. Now that you said that you're a bad swimmer, all right. That was the warm up. We're both. We're all fooling around. Um. Okay. <laughs> okay. You have. You've designed a knife on your computer. You have it laser jet cut, laser water jet cut, whatever. You have it drilled, beveled, heat treated, finished. The handle's put on, finished, finished, done, done. You didn't lay a finger on it. Shows up to your house in a pallet. Do you consider that you made it? Really? If you, you don't say I make knives and this, <laughs> Hell is, no. this is what I make? Hell no. Um, you could say I designed it. Um, I don't think you could say you made it. Um, so you're not a knife maker, yeah, you're a knife designer. Yeah, a knife. That's all, that's all you've done there, really, isn't it? There's no mm. other, you know. I'd say you're a knife designer, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I th- yeah, I think it'd be very mm. disingenuous to try and, you know, pass that off. And I'm, I mean, depending where it's been made, you know, whether people, you know. My instant my instant thought then was maybe it was made in, in China and you, you had it made there, but, you know, to a cost. So my initial thought was, you know, people would know maybe, you know, particularly if you're playing, you know, asking for a premium for this, people would know anyway. Um, but I'd say no. I mean, you're legitimately a, a knife designer, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. And you know what, you know, that that's completely fine. Market it as a, a knife that you've designed. There's not a problem with that. Um, but no, I, I certainly wouldn't say I I made it as a, yeah, that would be think? a strange thing to do. Uh, yeah, I think. If you're completely hands off, then yeah, you're a knife designer. I mean, honestly, do I don't know com- why it's coming to you. Usually, <laughs> like, why isn't it just going? Why isn't it just going to? Yeah, you drop ship that yeah, thing. You, yeah, you, you send it to Amazon, and then they handle all the shipping from there, and you do all your sales on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, I think I would. I'm too anal retentive though. I'd have to have hand like final eyes, and probably would be fixing all kinds of shit on it, and sh- resharpening them and stuff. So I think if that was the case, you could at least say hand finished. But yeah, I th- I still think you couldn't say handmade or made by me. You would it would still be designed it's, by me and hand finished. But that's that's what, about as far as you could go. What kind of psychopath would want to not do the fun stuff, but only then do well, the shitty the sh- bit, which is the shipping, exactly. the bit that causes this, all the this problems? Came from, I was you need to be a, a true psychopath. To podcast and. Uh, old man paul pinto the for some reason you know when people go through puberty a lot of people like grow like (laughs) body hair apparently when he went through puberty he grew experience because this 21 year old seems to know everything about everything i love you paul and i know we're gonna i'm gonna come on your podcast at some point but you know we were they were talking about art and he was he they were both he and chris were talking about uh chris zepp did a lot of work with uh artists and helping build art and i've done that too where i've helped fabricate art for other artists and and it made me think about guys like jeff coons who or mm. you know these famous artists or damien hurst 
who have a crew and he's not he's not he's not touching or you want to talk about glass artist dale chihuly um he has a crew of guys and then he they sign their names to it and then the the guys were basically saying well if they don't if they can't they don't know how to do it or they don't touch it then it's it shouldn't be their name shouldn't be on it or something along those lines but it was it was interesting to me because i believe I believe that if you are an artist and you have the ability to have assistance and you have your assistants doing certain things and if they're taking away from what you have to do, but it's your vision that's still your art. I believe that a lot of makers don't like sculptors who have assistants because they think that, that, that because you're having other people make your stuff, it's not really yours. You know, Damien Hirst didn't take that shark and shove him in a tank full of formaldehyde. Mm. You know, he had, like, dudes, you know? Yeah. Yes, he has his name. But it's I think, his show. I think the point is he, he has a claim to, you know? It, the, it's his show, and the whole thing is the concept. That's the concept that gets you thinking there, isn't it? It's but, not the... But it's, that, but it's, it's his it's, show. It's not You're his hand-rubbed finish. Hershey. You're not going to Damien Hershey's sister show. <laughs> like, I know there are certain... You know what, Pat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. So okay. then you're talking more... Are you talking more, like, branding then? Like I'm just the saying that the name? when you go to a Jeff Koons show, he didn't touch any of it. It's still a Jeff Koons show. So can we, when at some point, okay. because a lot of us think we're artists, can we at some point think that, that there's a problem with that? And I don't have a problem with it. I know that there are guys like Pat Quinn, when he makes hammers with other blacksmiths, he has everyone's touch mark who worked on it put their touch mark on it, which I appreciate. And I know that there are other, I know there are other artists. I think some glass, yeah. old glass blower that I knew who passed away, Stephen Ralph Powell, used to like put the names of the assistants who helped because it was a performative piece. But I do believe that like you're mm. watching Dale Chu or yeah. you're watching a, a Wolfgang on um, Disney Plus, which I strongly suggest. I mean, Wolfgang Puck, he ain't cooking anymore, but I mean, it's still his restaurant. You know. Yeah, I was I was going to give that example of you know a famous chef. You know they may have multiple restaurants. They they're not, they're not cooking any of the covers there. You know they've got people in, but they've been trained under that chef. I suppose well, not, not always anyway. I suppose, but I suppose the, the the closest that I can think of in the sort of maker space would be maybe Grand Force Brooks um, axes. Um, you know, there's a team of people there who are making them, um, but they are handmade still. You know, um, so they are, the the individual maker will then put a maker's mark on as well as the the brand, which is the Grand Force Brooks. Um, but I think it all comes down to the vocabulary that you're using to to ultimately try and sell these knives. So if you are then saying that you've, you know, if you're saying it's, it's, a, it's a handmade knife, you're lying. Um, if you just say it's handmade, but it's not your hand, I think it matters. Yeah, I mean, it's it still matters. handmade. Um, but it's tough scenarios, to, Craig. Come on, baby. Yeah, you've got to assume. I mean, I mean, every, 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 everything <laughs> is handmade. If you think of it, if you think of it, you know, in some way. Um, but I think if you're sticking your name on it, I think you need to be honest. And but, I, but the, the point is, I don't. There's any problem in in saying it was designed by me. Um, but we all know that you know a story will sell a knife as well, and people need one one another story of how you made it and all that kind of thing. And if you haven't got that sort of the breadth of knowledge, or not only the breadth of knowledge, but you know the the insight into how it was made, 
you're being a bit disingenuous, maybe, you know? Um, I mean, Grateful Knives, just in the chat there, you know, what about Bob Kramer? You know, Mareka was doing a lot of the, the processes when he was working for Bob. Um, and I don't think Bob tried to hide that in any way. Um, but it's, you know, it's still a Bob Kramer knife, which is which is almost the brand name then. You know, when, when you get to a certain size and you're using other people to help you, you're not necessarily putting your touch mark on it to say that you've made it. You're putting your brand name on it. And I think as long as you're being honest about that, in the you know the story that tell him whether it's on your website you know, do you or you know the company maybe. Leatherman? I don't really Leatherman. see a problem. Some there. people call it Leatherman. I call it Leatherman. Leatherman is the yes. <laughs> Leatherman is yes, yeah. <laughs> Spiderman. Spiderman. Spider-Man. Like, yeah, um, cow brother. I saw yeah. an ad once years ago on Instagram mm. from them wow. saying that these knives are the their hand the buttons are hand touched to make the knives. A per yeah, the, the, there's a person touching the buttons. <laughs> the buttons are hand to make the knives. Okay, like it was this. It's this is real far stretch from handmade. It was like there's actually a person putting this thing oh, in and pressing the button and it's going. You know, it's like not fully automated, but it was like this real strong stretch in terms mm. of like trying to create this. You know, Leatherman's artisanal. I thought it was very funny. It was unnecessary too. Shall we go on to the next dilemma? Yeah. Did we? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I. Well, Jeff, you said you don't have an issue with it, um, like, and and I guess I want to understand that more. So if if I was your shop monkey and I was cutting out the blades and I was primary grinding them for okay. heat treat or or whatever post post grinding drilling holes, setting up handle okay. scales, gluing up handles, doing handle sculpting. Basically doing maybe everything, but okay. or even, even if you train me on heat treat, um, probably one of the hardest things to pass off to somebody is like finish okay. grinding, right? And sharpening. If I'm doing everything but like finish grinding and sharpening, yeah. but your name I'm goes on I'm not saying it, you feel, feel good about, about it, but that. it's still my and, knife. Yeah. If, okay. if I'm and paying me you <laughs> and I'm teaching you how I want it done and you're doing it the way I teach you how to do it, so it's, my name sure. goes on it, yours, does, yours doesn't. But I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying okay. I have so a specific like, line right now. But at the same time, in regards to a question on a podcast, right. I think it's a fascinating question because um, I think it's interesting. But like when I had Carl sure. here, I couldn't get him to do anything other than hand sand. I wouldn't put on Carl Child's hand sanding. You know, I'm ta- I taught him the technique how I want it done, and he sure. repl- replicated that technique. <laughs> He didn't make that knife. So, so the human having a human assistant is. I mean, it, to me, it sounds like you consider it kind of on par with like automation in in a way. So, if you were to have all of that work done out of house by people or companies that could automate, like have an automated machinery system set up, CNC. Uh, routers right. for the handle scales do all I mean, yeah. it's, basically it's all that kind of automation yeah. but it's a human being in your shop i see and you wouldn't give like you wouldn't say by the way no uh blades laser or hydro no. cut by water jet by so and so and cnc yeah. router by so no that would mm. still be your design yeah exactly. yeah no, no, no I, I, i'm I just think trying that to when i'm paying some, if i pay, if i paid that. someone and i trained them exactly how to do absolutely everything and they were still an employee of mine. They were doing my techniques. Yeah. And they did the whole thing stem to stern. 
It's not their knife. It's my knife. Right. Yeah. And I think a, a bit of a difference there as well between maybe myself and you guys is you guys use your actual names on your blades too. You know, it, it's fader knives. It's, you know, you're more massive fire arts. Um, so I think people will always assume that it was you right. who, did, who did everything on that knife. Um, and maybe if that wasn't the case, maybe if that wasn't communicated correctly, people could maybe then think you've been a bit disingenuous about that simply because your brand name is, is you, is, is your name, you know? Well, and that brings up a good point for the conversation we've had in the past about whether you, to use your actual name or not. Um, and mm. I think that's, a, that's actually a very strong argument for not using Why? your name, really. Because if you do want mm. to, well, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I think, it, I, for me, it would feel better. Um, I, don't, I, I, I guess I would just struggle with <laughs> with all like having somebody in here doing like doing a bunch of work like i used to do for bob and then just putting my name on it i don't know why i just i i think i would need to i need to mill it over a little bit but if it was just like if it was just chop knives or whatever the fucking sherwin william knives you know i guess that's somebody's name whatever paint can knives <laughs> yeah i'm saying that because there's a paint can right here that's not that doesn't mean anything. That's nobody's name, so you can so it's easier to say this is a paint can knife versus this is a Maracco Malmasi This is a scalability issue. Knife. Because we're talking like we're mm. singular people in our shops, which we are. Yeah. If you were to make this business bigger, yeah. you are going to have to have some, you know, in order to do volume, you have to figure a way to do volume, you know. And we have to stop For we sure. either we're in yeah. business or we're hand craftsman you know handcrafted you know old whatever i mean it's like what is it gonna what are we doing what are you doing you know i mean liam hoffman's got a pile of guys well what if it's but, not knives what what if it's your loot right i was just gonna say what if what if it was your lures your lures are all that's CNC different routed out because that's sculpture it's cnc however over, somehow however however if i designed a, a, one of my lure sculptures to be CNC'd out, and then I had it painted CNC, and then yeah. I used them for a giant installation, and I needed a thousand of them, and I had a company that could make the thousand exactly the way I wanted. I made the sculpture because I designed it and I figured it out. I knew exactly what I wanted it to be, and I, I I approved all the steps, and I made it my It's still my sculpture. Mm. I think a lot of this is semantics and language that you sure. use, um, you know, and I, th I, I think it all just boils down to that. You know, if, if you're open and honest, I see no problem and there's no shame in being a knife designer mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because, mm -hmm. you know, it's a critical part of <laughs> You love it when they knife. do that. And, um, I'm judging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do. I love it. I love it. Um, but, I mean, you mentioned scaling up can be a problem um, if, you know, if you're using your personal name. Um, but you know what? If you're going to scale up, you're going to need a good grinder. At least you're going to need a good grinder. Um, and, and Jeff, if you were to scale up and get another Ironworks little Jeffrey on site, 72 grinder from BroadbeckIronworks.com. Guys, stop fooling around. It is a great bargain. They make awesome grinders. They save you on shipping because they put a lot of it into uh, flat rate boxes. It's very versatile, horizontal, 
vertical. It's got all these different attachments. If you say, hey, Jeff, but I already got a grinder. Well, they have attachments that are going to they're gonna fit into your grinder based on the, the arm that you have. I would definitely go to uh, broadbackironworks.com, put a promo code full bl- knife talk 10 and you get yourself some 10%. <laughs> 10% off, 10% off <laughs> wah, your entire wah, order. Wah. And go get, you, get yourself ready for that Moreco Platin, that deep that deep dish Platin. That might be a better name, by the way, P.S. Like deep D, deep, the deep D Platin. Deep D. I think you figured it out. I mean, I hate to say it, but I think it's the deep D. Go get yourself the deep D. Put your name out for the deep D because that's going to be for the for you. That's, that's, that's going to be the new T-shirt for Broadback Ironworks. Come get your Broadback Ironwork Deep D. You know what I'm saying? Knife Talk Ten for ten percent off. Come on, get yourself that Deep D. You know. And Moon, I think it's Moon Shadow Forge. It's just, it's just done exactly that. Love my new Broadback grinder already. Um, he got it this week nice. or last week, rather. Congratulations! Um, Wait, nice. it's a great machine. Really. I think that's a show. We're hour and forty-five minutes. Damn. I know we've got lots of content. Oh, we, we've got lots. We can we can spill over. Okay, let's. Okay, so we. This was our dilemmas. Wow, that, that was that show some fast. Takes, we actually it, talked it? about shit. Listener feed. Let's. Um, we did. I tell you, listener feedback. Should we save that for the after okay. show? Or whatever. We could do sometime. We're gonna have to do an after after show. Okay. Like that's my next <laughs> favorite thing. Like. The, it goes off. That's the after show. We do, after the, hours. do the thing, and it's do the you know I've talked sponsor book, and then we have like a secret secret. So people make sure people are really listening. Right. Whatever you want. This is behind the black curtain stuff. Okay. 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 Well, that's a show. That's a show. Anyway, thank you all uh, for listening. Um, it's been, it's been a really good show. I'm really liking the direction we're going in as well. We're doing slightly different stuff. Um, I think we answered well, two questions. P.S. to the filthy public. filthy public. If I don't week. read your question, hey, don't ask me why I didn't read your question. We give a lot of fucking content to get through, so just calm yourself. <laughs> that's a quick way. That's a quick way to. Well, I mean, I'm customer service, <laughs> which is annoying, and that's going to read us into our first listener dilemma when we're in the after show. Really? Right. Okay. Thank you all very much for listening. Again, if you listen to this on a Monday morning, remember we record this on a Friday. Um, you can get involved. Um, it's nice to get people involved in the chat and so on. And we do that on a Friday afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world uh, via YouTube and Facebook. But thank you all for listening, and we shall speak to you all again very soon. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. All you do is just press a button, and now it's a different show. It's the funniest thing. It's like it's like totally nothing. I know. It's just it's like a pause, it. yeah. and all of a sudden it's a totally different. The mood show. changes. Now, oh, so the sure. after show. Yeah. Now we just press the button, and now it's the after show. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said the yeah. mood changes. This and everything. one's good. Yeah, this one's good, good because good. I'm so we've not got listener feedback. It. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. There's no no one. I think people are too afraid. That's to send only too good bad feedback because yeah. I don't really I don't play. I mean, they all send it to me, but I don't really play around. Like, the shorter my responses are, the more irritated I am. So just for, for your for people's FYI, uh, this is from Antioch mm, Forge. Okay. He says you need to get an intern. You have a knife talk podcast, so reoccurring thing, reoccurring th- questions 
like Jeff's favorite topic, plunge lines, can be discussed by a rookie or a newbie with maybe a possibly funny perspective. Number two, intern can cover down and let one of you take a break for a week if you need to. Three, interns get abused and maybe there's funny content there. Four, you can give them weekly, monthly projects slash techniques to learn <laughs> that would be a bit on the show for them to talk about. Sounds like we're working very hard for this intern, by the way. Five, an ideal intern would likely solicit unsolicited yeah. advice when discussing number four, which is this <laughs> number six. Uh, all good radio shows end up and have interns. Congratulations, you've made it. Time to have an intern. Number seven, even though uh, even trying to find an intern for the show would be a good bit for the show. He's not wrong about that. And number eight, it's a good idea because I'm not even volunteering myself for the spot. I'm too old for that shit and your abuse. Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. But an intern would be fun. <laughs> Dude. Oh, I could never, I could just never have an intern for this reason. It would be terrible. I would be terrible. I would be very, very, it would be very, very hard to be an intern for me on a radio show. Not because I'm going to do ba ba booey and like yell at him all the time, hmm. but my expectations <laughs> will be strict. There will be, there will, there's going to be very, there's very little. I have very little hmm. patience for things that, some things that don't get done. So it would be tough. However, an intern yeah. to deal with the DMs yeah. would be great, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think the three of us have done this long enough now together, the three of us, that having somebody else in, they'd always be an outsider, if you know what I mean. You know, we, we there's certain things that, you know, we've talked about and, and all the rest of it that, you know, that, you know, those conversations have already happened. And no, if somebody else the is in there, I haven't heard those like, conversations. Like, oh, where are the, where the, where the show notes? Where, really hey, work, hey Carlos. Hey, Carlos. Where, you said it on. What page is it on? What, no, that's not Carlos. It's got to be someone. we got to come up with another <laughs> I was going to make a bit and say that we should have, like, AI. And from now on, yeah. all the DMs will be answered by our new AI. And I was going to do, like, be a, I was going to be a real dick in the dms like responding and then like just like letting people know that there'll be a little robot face and then that's not me it's the robot answering and just be like you know that's a dumb question we answer that a hundred times stop stop the nonsense i'm not here i'm not your babysitter if you need to find a friend yeah. there is one thing i will say i love our listeners i love our listeners but i'm glad this is not a relationship show because my first answer to every relationship question is you might be too needy. You might be you might be too needy. You might be too needy. <laughs> so. Possibly. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got a pile of feedback. This one comes from uh, actually okay, this any is more a good feedback. one from Josh Wentz. I heard you guys mention this is actually this is a really it's actually a, a valuable one. Uh, Josh Wentz says I've heard you guys mention a few times on the show about winning on Forge and Fire and getting your winnings taxed. Uh, I was told by I was told after I won by the producers that if I get an LLC and use the full amount for my shop, I could write it all off and keep the full 10 G's. Um, so that's exactly what I did. I hired an accountant to do my taxes. I was able to keep every penny, and the $600 I spent on the accountant was worth it. To top it all off, the accountant turned around and bought one of my knives for me as well, so it all paid for itself. So... I asked a couple questions more because it's not like, you know, you that episode of The Office where Michael Scott says, I declare bankruptcy. You know, if you if you do 
if you do create an LLC, you would have to <laughs> have the check, the whole 10 G sent, and you'd have to use it through the shop completely. So you'd have to also figure out your payments. Like you can do uh, what Tony and I have, we have disbursements. But the disbursements come not as a W-2. It would come as like a different kind of K form. So it's like the tax system is all very strange. But if you are on Forge and Fire and you want the whole 10 Gs, send it through your LLC and then, you know, you know, buy the groceries through the company card, I guess. <laughs> or whatever. So. Hmm. Wouldn't have a clue how the American tax system Who's works. That? Don't know, but we we got somebody with first hand experience oh, yeah. here. That's right. So what? I forgot. Mr. I was talking. I thought you were talking. I thought you had we had an accountant in the room or something like that. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Could you try that? A tax expert. Uh, yeah, we just. Uh, what do we do? We didn't run it through the LLC. I think part of part of the thing with the LLC. So you can. I've been learning about. Um, uh, trying to learn more about LLCs lately because of other things I got going on in my life. Um, but you can elect to, what is it? Elect to do your taxes, even though you're an LLC, there are different level or different types of LLCs and you can elect to do your taxes as a C corp, as an S corp or as a sole proprietorship. And depending on how you do that, um, will affect how the taxes or, or how that money gets taxed, and if it, I think it's like something. If you come through, if it goes through like an S corp, you could do the disbursements, like Jeff was saying, and and that that money wouldn't necessarily get taxed. But then when the person, as as it being earned income, then then it would get taxed later. But it but it's a little like the taxing levels are different, um, and there's also as a C corp, there's potentially some concern of getting double double tax especially because it's honestly it's it's not life-changing money so we just took it deposited it paid our t tax on it we just we just treat it like income now we've got to the point the, where we're the, talking about taxes i know now. what the fuck are we doing <laughs> that's well geez <laughs> i think that's a show i think that's a show thank you all for listening we should speak to you next week This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Okay. The double show. Nobody's the double after show. You're the man. You are the man. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just keep ending it. You're the fucking man. You're the fucking man. Yeah. This could be like the I Truman Show. I'll just have, I'll just have I the bought, webcam I bought and next to me I bought that too. I bought that too. Big Brother shit. I was trying to do... There's a funny bit that uh, Griff was... I was trying to find this bit to try to get you... To try to trick you guys with uh, this this thing that was... There was this really funny... Okay. I'll talk to... Spell... Spell McDonald. Either one of you. One of you... Quick. Yeah. As in... M okay. M C what D O N A L D. Yeah, I fucked the whole joke up. I'm sorry, Griff. I fucked the whole joke. Basically, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to spell McDonald. Okay. And you know, I fucked it up again. I'm supposed to spell it, and you're supposed to say it. Yeah. So it, 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 uh, you should end oh, the twice. show again. Fuck. 
you fucking end, dude. End the show again. End the show again. We gotta it's start the way you tell him, Jeff. The way you tell him these jokes. It's I classics. need another fucking break. <laughs> end the show again. <laughs> let's let's do a redo. This show is brought to you by the Makery, the podcast network for makers. So much fun, guys. That really that was a lot of fun. You know, Fran- <laughs> Francesca Mucci is playing bass along to the um the, this 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 music that the show music. Ben Stark says so this he, is I the think he's very good at it. Now. Played a few times. Podcasts. I think so. I think it's really They're funny. I think that's your new bit. I think next week you should end the show in the first like twenty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a show. We're done. Yeah. That's, yeah. You yeah. hang Plunge up on us again. All We're done. Time. How many times do you <laughs> yeah. hang up on us? Damn. This is your. Yeah. We just did it. Ah, oh, this is when you hang up. It. We've just reworked it. So what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do for the two hundred two hundredth episode? I think we are on one nine seven now. So I think we've got. Well, in three more shows is, is the 200th. Um, right. I've been working on a quiz, um, but it'd be nice to get some special guests in as well. Yeah. For You know, you know what's weird about quizzing the whole with them or whatever we're doing. I know people, um, I have a weird, that could be good. a weird story when I, was, when I was younger. I stopped. I used to count uh, my lures and I used to number them. And I used to have every one of them had a number and I could tell which number it was. And then I was into comic books. And when I was into comic books, I collected the number. Like, the number was very important. Like, I really wanted to be in order. And then when I was Mm. in high school, I remembered I had a friend in high school who used to tell us how many times he had sex with his girlfriend. And it was so gross. Not just with all these other people, like, oh, I was with 10 girls or whatever. He would tell us the same one. And it was so gross. It was like... Come back from school. <laughs> like, I'm up to 49 times, guys. And we're just like, we're like, and all I could, <laughs> it was so, it was a high school kid. And all I could think what of, strange all I could man. think of was, my friends were like, why the fuck do we care how many times you've had sex with your girlfriend? He would literally report every time he had sex. you count. Yeah. No, 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 no. This was a, this he was, was like he a, wasn't getting like anybody who does that isn't really time, getting it. Just like, it we're they? all like, it was like, why are you counting? Oh, just say you had <laughs> sex. So then, when I started counting, the, when I was doing the lures, it got to the point where I was just like, yeah, God, this really reminds me of that kid saying, you know, he's counting every one, like every single time mattered. And I was just like, I'm not counting anymore. I'm done <laughs> counting. So I stopped with all the counting. I stopped. I don't count the yeah. knives. I don't count the years. I don't know how many years I've done anything. I don't count. I don't keep track because I f- all I could think of is this kid coming mm-hmm. in and be like, yep, I had sex with my yeah. girlfriend again. That's up to 52. And it's like, what the fuck do we care? What's, what's that? <laughs> Uh, what a loser. No, he was okay. He didn't yeah. know. He wow. was young, and he was getting loser. it before all of us. But yeah. it was just like he was rubbing it in. But it was like annoying. It was just like it's the same person. We don't. This is. We shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh no. Which which reminds me. So anybody in the chat now, um, if you're still here in this secret, a secret, secret after show, um, I struggle every week with titles for the uh, for the show. So if you've got a title for the show, um, stick it in the chat and maybe we can use that this week. Um, 
I always forget when it comes to Monday morning and I do the edit and I put it up. I'm like, I'm not listening back to the show every week. You know, I can't. <laughs> I'm not doing that to myself. Um, so it's always difficult to remember. So yeah, if you've got a title yeah. for the show, um, uh, yeah, stick it in the chat. Maybe we can, you always maybe do good names though. That. That'd be cool. It's nice to name them. You know. Hmm. Yeah, it's good that they're named, I think, instead of numbered, like you said. But, um, <laughs> Eric Carnivale. Yeah, it's difficult. But yeah, we need, to, we need something special for the... Uh... Dude, he loves the bananas. He loves the bananas. All right, <laughs> He's let's, obsessed let's with these bananas. To, let's listen, to, with let's listen to our listeners. and You guys got to start putting them in. I don't know if, Brian, if you're, in the, if you're in the room, Brian, you better come up with the title now. Because if, if you're not, that means you're not here. And if you're not here, <laughs> we got big troubles. Maybe you got, maybe you got sucked, we, we know you're sucked not into here. how many after shows we were doing. Maybe you didn't know. I don't know. This might be a banning. We might have to get back, Arnie. Maybe. Maybe. To go back, Jeff, to go back to earlier on the show when you were talking about the the Condé Nast stuff, uh, staging out the knives, when uh, when I was working for Bob, he had a few, like the the CBS morning show came and did a thing, and I, there were a couple of those. But we, we staged out stuff. But the, fuck, the problem is, is like... Mm because it is so much so like process heavy you know i know you gotta have like 10 or 12 knives set up i know at various stages of the process it's i don't know maybe yeah, that could be your next run of it's, knives it's, 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 trust me for the past week <laughs> and a half i've been thinking about it mm. and and because this show is very process oriented like they'll do they'll have a chef butchering a tuna for sushi and i said to the people i'm like look you can bring a dude in with a tuna and he can process it in one day. It's not really like that with knife making. And I, and I started to think about what I was practicing. I'm going to practice. Right. And then I'm trying mm-hmm. to think about which knife should I do? Like I, I kind of want to do something simple, but at the same time I should do something that I'm kind of known for, or I want to be known for. So then it becomes, it becomes like oh, if I did something line. that I'm yeah. not known for, that's kind yeah. of dumb. And then I thought maybe I, what I should do is if I do the forging, maybe I'll forge with mild steel, you know, and then, and then have the, the staging. I have thought about it all. And it's like, it's like, it's nothing. It's almost to the point now where like, if they decide to go a different direction, I might breathe a sigh of relief. Like, you know, I want it, I'm going to do it. But I won't. Sure. It's gonna be a lot of work. And yeah. I said to them, I'm like, you can you and. But it's gonna be a lot of you work. You can't call yeah. me up on Sunday saying we're coming up Monday, because then it's gonna be a shit house. Like, I don't want there to be five guys and oh, lighting yeah. and everything like that. And I'm trying to forge out a knife, and I'm like, oh my god, what are we gonna do when I'm, you know, I'm gonna have to really have enough time to stage a lot of it out. So it's it's heavily on my mind. Actually, going to talk to Jimmy. Dur- I'm interviewing Jimmy DeResta yeah. tomorrow for two weeks from now, and I'm going to uh, they're going to come up in two weeks, and I'm actually going to talk to him about. It. Yeah, it'll be interesting for the show because yeah. I mean, talking to Jimmy, it's he's like, going to have insights obviously with the show. Yeah, done, so yeah. I'll try to figure it out, but yeah, it's definitely Mareko. It was it's it's something that's really on my mind because you know they want to be able. And the cool thing is, is it's voiceover with the video. Because the voiceover, the video allows me to like, you know, I could just like sure. say some, you know. And then that's the other thing. It's like, once again, I'm on the hook for being correct with everything. They're not going to know. And then if I do a miss hit and I can't turn the cameraman and say, don't put, don't put in that part. You know, you're not, you didn't give a shit. It's going to, you know, all of a sudden I got bird's beak on the end of the knife. And mm. it's like, <laughs> don't put that part in. Like, what you, bird's beak, what are you talking? It's the whole thing is actually very vexing right now. So... 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we treated it like a, a, like a yeah, cooking show. Like a lot of work. You know, like a stand and stir. They put they put the raw chicken in the oven and then they pull out a finished I've chicken. Someday I'll have situation. to tell you when I did yeah. a TV show with yeah. that, which will never come on line, thank God. But I did a, a, a cooking segment with a uh, when I was at a bakery and it was embarrassing. And I'm so and I was and it was the funniest part was is when Hillary was very pregnant watching <laughs> and the and the host was <clears throat> Afraid she was going to give birth at any moment, and it made her him very uncomfortable that she was in a she was pregnant. Was oh, wow. pre- I mean, it wasn't just like help, you know, I'm giving birth, and she was like, I know what's going on, but he kept on staring. He's like, You're making me so uncomfortable, you being here, and he kicked her out. So it was, but we had to do the fake cookies, and you know, it was stupid. <laughs> Thank God that went out. Oh, oh Jesus. Wow. Yeah. There's n- so when do they need um, they, sort of answers from you? I don't know. You know I, I sent the them an email, and they were saying, do you have any blackout dates in the next few weeks? And I was just like, no. But I'm just like, I'm thinking about like, well, you know, like wow. here's the funny thing is I could do like, I could, t- if I could, I can't fake my, I can't fake my, my eight inch K tips that I already have. I can't forge a knife out and then everything else is, the stainless steel K-tips because you're going to be able to see it. So it's like there's so much shit. And then at the same time, it's mm. like, and I know we're going over, but I don't, I'm going to forge the knife, but I'm in my mind, I want to have very little forge scale. So the regular people watching it, seeing it as this looks like a professional knife that I've seen in the store. Like that's in my mind. Like if I make it too rustic, Will that translate over to a buyer that custom knife makers yeah. aren't just making caveman knives? Because even though that we see forge scale on the spines and you know what Neil does when everybody does where you're leaving them, it still doesn't truly translate to the regular people. So I want to make something that they're familiar with seeing. So it's just like my brain is... Well, I mean, I'm not going to yeah, get... But it I mean, needs to be a good advert for your work, I'm too, obviously. Most likely that's not why you're taking the job. It. So it's like, I have to make this work as best I can. Hmm. Dude, Ben Stark. Ben Stark. Yeah. yeah. Is your mother still listening right. to this? Okay. Does your mother know that you wrote, Jeff can't fake his eight inches? I don't think your mother listens to this part. Ben Stark's mom? <laughs> that was your son wrote that. How outrageous. Outrageous. <laughs> Maybe maybe the title of the show should be Ben's mom. Ben's a pervert. Disgusting. Right. This. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we know his mom's going to be listening to that bit. Yeah. Anyway, I need to go. It is like proper late here now, um, and we, we're we're on two hours. This is a two-hour show, a monster show. Um, yeah, I need to go. My wife is expecting um, <laughs> sex for the eight thousand three hundred and twelfth time tonight. No, he's been tonight. Counting. That's a callback. Counting down. joke. Not tonight. In, That's you my know. guy. I love a callback oh, joke. <laughs> See you later, everybody. <laughs> That's the show. Bye bye. This show is brought to you by the Makery, the podcast network for makers.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.